Please uh, let me add my welcome to Alex's and also thank you for welcoming me. As you said, we're part of the morning service, so um, it's great to be with you tonight. Um, do keep your Bibles open. We've got a fantastic psalm, Psalm 46. It's page 570. As you can see at the introduction there, it's a song. Uh, hopefully you should also have one of these yellow sheets if you want to make notes. Give us a bit of a steer. Uh, but before I begin, uh, let me pray. Father God, uh, we thank you for this time together uh, to meet around your word. And we thank you that you are indeed a great God. Please, this evening, show us something of your greatness. And we pray that it may change us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to begin with, I want us to consider an event which occurred back in World War II. Uh, It's 1942. And the island of Malta, part of the British Empire, stands alone in a hostile region. The enemy controls Italy to the north, Greece to the east, and Africa to the south and west. Britain are desperately trying to maintain control of this strategic staging post in the Mediterranean. Uh, But the enemy have been bombing the island for months and months ahead of a planned invasion. What makes matters worse is that help is not close at hand. The nearest uh, allied ports and air bases are over a thousand miles away. And as convoy and convoy set off with supplies to bring relief to this island, the U-boats and enemy planes are already waiting to strike. As I was preparing for this talk, I was reading about the Siege of Malta. It's a fascinating story and well worth reading if you have the time. But my mind turned to the islanders and what they must have felt. Bombarded night after night, hungry, isolated, and with no rescue in sight. I think it's fair to say that in every age of history, whether it's 20th century war-torn Europe, ancient Judah that this psalm partly depicts, or even the modern day, life seems to throw at us events and circumstances that are difficult to bear. And I'm not just talking about those big headline items like terrorism or natural disasters or Ebola, but items which, though smaller in scale and severity, are nevertheless far closer to home. The troubled relationship, that note from the doctor, the regular drinking, the unpaid bills, the pressure at work, the desire to fit in. Those things that keep you awake at night and are still there the next morning. And even though we might not feel as though we're in immediate danger, we nevertheless feel hemmed in, trapped by our circumstances, metaphorically under siege. And I wonder what, those, what our response is in those difficult moments. Perhaps you're someone who likes to throw money at a problem and hire an expert who, at great expense, promises that they have the solution to your problems. The psychologist the fitness trainer, the spiritual healer. Perhaps you're someone who likes to bury their head in the sand, simply leaving the post unopened or forgetting to open that email. Or maybe, like many, you simply try to work harder. We can solve this problem on our own, we say, sometimes desperately swimming against an ebbing tide. Well, the writer of Psalm 46 has the only solution that will really work, the only place to find true relief and hope 
in those difficult moments. And we see it there in verse 1. God, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. He is always there, a constant source of refuge from the storms of life. And over the next few moments, I want us to see that turning to God for refuge and strength is not just a response born out of wishful thinking, mere fantasy, nor a response of desperation, a clutching at straws or an emotional crutch, but a real, grounded, logical response to the character, nature and reality of God. And that as we see and understand this God more and more, we will see that he is the only way to try and true refuge and strength, both now and eternally. So let's dive uh, straight in with our first heading on the sheet, number one, refuge from the flood. Refuge from the flood. Let me read again the beginning of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, verse 2, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. As if to illustrate his point, the psalmist describes a terrifying ordeal, a cataclysmic natural event. The earth gives way, mountains topple. You can easily imagine the tidal wave produced as these giant rock formations crash into the oceans. The waters roar and foam. Earlier this year, my, my family and I were on holiday in the Ardèche in France. We were staying in a caravan in a little site situated in a deep valley. On the first night, there was a gigantic thunderstorm which lasted for about an hour. The, uh, the storm circled overhead and peal of peal of thunder came crashing down. It was so loud you could feel the walls of the caravan vibrating. It was, wasn't quite on the same scale as the, the events that the psalmist are depicting here, but uh, it was nevertheless the loudest storm that I'd ever heard. And um, you can imagine my three kids ended up in, in our bed, so uh, we, no one got much sleep that night. And the psalmist says, we need not fear. Even during those dramatic times of natural events, God can be our refuge and strength. And surely this makes sense. For it was God who formed the earth, creating the land, the sea, the sky, and all the living things on the earth. And the Bible says that it is God who sustains the earth by his power day by day. When you consider the forces at work, to create such a complex and beautiful planet? Does it not make sense to turn to God in times of difficulty? For if he has power to create and sustain on such an awesome scale, does he not also have the ability to provide refuge and strength for us too? In describing the watery destruction in verses 2 and 3, as we read in verse 3, the waters roar and foam, the mountains quake with their surging, The psalmist may also be alluding to the events of the flood. If you remember back in the book of Genesis, after the fall of the Garden of Eden, generation after generation turned their back on God. And as humanity sinned, God decided to judge the earth in the events of the flood. Only Noah, a righteous man who walked close with God, and his family were saved in the ark. Now, for some of us, this might paint the psalm and God in a very different light. We might be asking, can a God like this really be trusted in times of difficulty? Can a God who brings destruction 
really be a God who provides refuge? And perhaps more crucially, will he provide refuge for me or judge me as in the events of the flood? But the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that this same God, creator, sustainer, judge of all, came to earth to live among us. For it was Jesus who, in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, calmed the storm by saying, be still, as we read later on in verse 10. And through his miracles, Jesus revealed his divinity. Jesus is God, the same creator God who made the earth and commands it. And God did not just come to live among us, but on the Easter cross he came to die, as Alex was explaining earlier. And in his death, he took the judgment for our, that we deserve for our sin, so that all who trust in him can be saved eternally from judgment and death. Here then is true refuge, refuge from the flood, the judgment of God for sin. In Jesus, we really can say, God is our refuge and strength. Walk with him just as Noah walked with God and seek refuge from the flood. Our second heading on the sheet is Refuge from the Siege. Refuge from the Siege. Look down with me again at Psalm 46. After the Selah, which is a a term denoting a break in the song, the psalmist begins again at verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Most commentators believe that this section of the psalm celebrates a famous victory for Judah as described in two chronicles. In the 8th century BC, like Malta, Jerusalem was under siege. Judah's archenemy, Assyria, led by King Sennacherib, had swept into the country and surrounded the city with men and arms that far outmatched the strength of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah's army. And Judah was now trapped inside the city walls. You can imagine the fear and the desperation. Some may have been tempted to flee, to run away and abandon the city for the enemy. But the reality was that Jerusalem was a place of safety. There was refuge and strength to be found within those walls. Why? Because that's where God was. As the psalmist sings in verse 4, Jerusalem was the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. For in Jerusalem was the temple, which held the presence of God at that time. So we sing again, God is with her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. And sure enough, despite all the odds, Judah won a commanding victory over the Assyrians. For God spoke, and the angel of the Lord defeated Sennacherib's army. 185,000 Assyrian soldiers were killed. So it is with God. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. It's also interesting to consider how God provides strength and delivers victory, not just in supernatural acts of power, but also through the actions of ordinary men in the planning of the city. 
Commentators suggest that the reference to the streams which make glad the city in verse, in verse 4 is a reference to a channel which was built during the reign of King Hezekiah, diverting water from the pool of Siloam into the city, which ensured supplies of water in times of siege. God gave Judah victory through this careful planning. And thus we see that God is sovereign, not just over creation and humanity, but over history as well. He is omnipotent. So what does this mean for us today? Well, firstly, I think it's important to take away the fact that God is in control of history. Those moments of change that seem to rock society to the core. The financial crisis, the Brexit vote, the latest terrorist attack. Those moments when we're left thinking, where is God in the midst of all this chaos? What good can come of this? And how will this all get sorted out? Yet, is not God in control of these events, just as he was over Judah and Assyria? The reason for sing to, joy, to sing for joy in verses 4 to 7 is not just that God gave victory to his people, but that God is in control, working out his good purposes through the lives of ordinary men. Secondly, let us remember that the solution that worked for Judah is the same solution that works for us today. Stick close to God. Run to him for refuge. He is our fortress, as we read in the repeated refrain in 7 and 11. No longer geographically speaking, by sheltering in Jerusalem or seeking water from Siloam, but personally, by knowing God through Jesus Christ and the true living water of the Holy Spirit that Jesus offers. God is sovereign over history. He is in control, and only he can provide refuge from the problems that besiege us. Lastly, and more briefly, point number three, refuge for eternity. Refuge for eternity. Let me read again from verse eight. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In this third section, the psalmist changes his focus and looks both backwards and forwards. For if God is sovereign over history past... He is also sovereign over future events too, in the fullness of time. As we look back at countless victories, he the God that breaks the bow, he the God that shatters the spear, he the God that makes wars cease, he the God that's kept his covenant promise time after time. So the psalmist entreats us to look forward to that time when God will be exalted among the nations and across the earth. We got a glimpse of that future day in our second reading in Revelation 21, a picture of Jesus' promised return when he will usher in a new reign, creating a new heaven and a new earth for his people to enjoy. And did you notice also the repeated imagery of how God will create a new Jerusalem and be in the midst of her, a new perfect place of refuge? The siege of Malta that I mentioned at the start, went on for many months. And thankfully, the islanders prevailed. Indeed, after the war, 
the entire island was awarded the George Cross for bravery, which is Britain's highest civilian honour. And the country proudly bears the name Malta GC to this day. Yet through the dark days, none of the islanders were assured of the outcome. Night after night, not knowing if invasion was imminent or if supplies would get through. What a difference with Psalm 46. God says, I will be exalted. How much more confident can we be that in times of trial, the final outcome is secure? As Jesus rose from the dead, just as he promised, he's coming back to rule for eternity, just as he promised. So I wonder, where do you go for refuge and strength? Is it not right to lean on the one who rules over the whole of time and provides refuge for eternity? As we close, let me draw two brief applications for us to consider. And they're two commands that we find in the psalm itself. The first is there in verse 8. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see this awesome God. And specifically from the verse, come and see the desolations he's brought. How he crushes his enemies and defeats those who rise up against him. Of course, this is true not just of his human enemies like the Assyrian army that tried to take Jerusalem, but also the spiritual enemies of the devil, sin and death. For Jesus triumphed over these by rising from the dead on Easter Day and ascending into glory to rule the earth with power and authority. And as we consider how great our mighty God is, surely this will help us to see how much God is our strength and refuge. Of course, let's be clear, God is not promising us an easy, trouble-free life. The psalm is clear, difficult times will come. But in those moments of difficulty, a right view of God will help us. Well, how might we put this into practice? We could read God's Word, the Bible. Uh, We could study it regularly with friends. And in particular, we could take time to study biblical history those numerous events where God has shown his power and might. We might even consider studying a Bible overview course, similar to the one that Andy has run here recently. The Bible also talks about God showing his um, glory through creation. So we could buy a David Attenborough box set and um, consider the majesty of the wonderful world he's made. I think it'd be really good to be creative Uh, when beholding our great God. So perhaps you could discuss uh, this with the person next to you after the service. So our first application there, come and see. The second is there in verse 10. Be still and know. Be still and know. Just as these were words that Jesus spoke to the storm, they may also be saying something to us today. My wife won't mind me saying that in times of crisis or emergency, the, um, we both tend to adopt positions that could reasonably be described as gender-specific. <laughs> uh, I, like a typical man, immediately launch into strategies designed to resolve the issue as quickly and as efficiently as possible. My wife, on the other hand, doesn't want a solution. She wants to talk about the problem. What does this mean? How does this make us feel? I wonder what your typical response would be. And I also wonder whether this psalm is saying that perhaps both of these responses crucially omit God. 
Because there are moments in life when it's appropriate to just stop, be still, let go of our own agenda, and in a quiet moment, away from the busyness of our everyday lives, know the awesome God we've been thinking about through this psalm. The creator God who provides refuge from the flood and through his son, Jesus Christ, offers salvation from judgment. The sovereign God who rules over history and provides refuge from the sieges of life. The eternal God who, in Jesus Christ, is coming back to reign. Be still and know. For when we stick with God and we stay close to Jesus, no matter if all else fails, he is more, more than able to provide refuge and strength to the problems that surround us, both now and eternally. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this psalm. And we thank you indeed that you are a mighty God. We thank you for your power over creation, your power over history. And Father, in particular, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is powerful in salvation and that he is coming back to reign. Please help us to turn to you in times of difficulty. And we ask that you would please be our refuge and strength. We ask it in the precious name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.